You're listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast with Dr. Cameron Marshall. Ask Concussion Doc is a show where we answer your questions about concussions, treatment, and rehabilitation to help practitioners better manage these injuries. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ask Concussion Doc number episode number 109, Is Chiropractic Safe for Concussion Treatment? This is a fairly common question that we get, um, and so I'm going to kind of lay out the outline for you of what we're going to talk about today. First of all, we're going to talk about what is chiropractic, because I think people have a little bit of a misconception about what chiropractic is as a term. Uh, why would it be helpful for concussion treatment? We're going to talk about some of the evidence to show why chiropractic treatment would be helpful for somebody with a concussion, specifically with persistent concussion symptoms. And then we're going to talk about the safety profile of chiropractic treatment, what are the risk factors and things that you should be aware of before undergoing this type of treatment. So first of all, let's talk about what is chiropractic. So chiropractic is basically just a term that means done by hand. So it's frequently associated with back and neck issues and it's frequently associated with the cracking of bones and joints and things like that. And people will often associate that cracking sound with chiropractic treatment. That is a form of treatment that is typically done by chiropractors, but that is called spinal manipulation. That in and of itself is not chiropractic. Physiotherapists can get trained in spinal manipulation. Uh, Osteopaths can do spinal manipulation. Some physicians do spinal manipulation. So spinal manipulation is a form of treatment that is frequently done by chiropractors. And that's usually what people mean when they ask, is it safe for me to see a chiropractor after concussion? So I just want to make those that distinction that chiropractic as a term means to be done by hand. So chiropractors typically use manual therapy techniques to, you know, impart, you know, force onto the body to affect some sort of change. So sometimes this is muscle work, soft tissue work. Uh, I do a lot of acupuncture. I also do rehabilitation exercises in my practice. I do some manipulation. I do some joint mobilization. There's a lot of things that I do uh, in my practice as a chiropractor, but that in and of itself is usually what you know people are not necessarily kind of considering uh, what chiropractic is. So let's talk about the profession of chiropractors and you know how to find a good one and things that you may want to look out for. So the idea behind you know chiro as as a profession and this this you know the kind of historical sense of manipulating joints. It all started kind of in the late uh, 1800s, and the idea was that, uh, and this was just a theory, that the root of all disease came from impedance on the nervous system. So if you had a joint that was misaligned in your spinal system, it would put pressure on your spinal cord, and that could lead to disease. So whatever nerves flowed out of your spinal cord and, and went to those particular segments, they would be impacted by this moved, you know, this displaced joint, this misaligned element in your spine. And so by moving it back in line, you know, in line, you would then reduce the um, the pressure on the nervous system and therefore restore flow. Now, 
this whole thing has been basically disproven. Now, there are some chiropractors out there that still live by this philosophy, even though the science is caught up and said that this isn't really how this works. There is, there's no pressure being put on the nervous system. There's no real spinal alignment issues that are creating any type of nervous system flow. It's typically called things like subluxations. Um, so unfortunately, this is all you know, kind of BS, but it still kind of lingers in the chiropractic profession. And so um, there's you know some people that still subscribe to that. Just know that if you are kind of seeing somebody that you know kind of subscribes to this issue, it is not based in any science whatsoever. It is, uh, and this is kind of the riff within the chiropractic profession as a whole. There are some people that follow and try to stick with a science evidence-based approach, and there's some people that stick with kind of more of the the innate you know approach or just this chiropractic philosophy that has essentially been disproven or at least not proven in the science uh, whatsoever. So. Um, what chiropractic treatments can be very useful for are things like pain, muscle pain, joint pain, back pain, neck pain, shoulder pain, you know, all these things that manual therapy can be an effective treatment for, for these are the things that have some pretty good evidence to support their use. All the other things, you know, like these, you know, um, systemic diseases, you know, cancers and autism and all these other things that chiropractors claim to be able to treat by restoring nervous system flow is all bullshit. Okay. So although chiropractors tend to focus on back and neck pain, that's not the only thing that chiropractors treat. So even though, you know, I use adjustments in my practice and I do treat backs and necks and concussions, most of the focus in my practice is on concussion and concussion rehab. I do a lot of vestibular work. I do a lot of ocular motor stuff. I do a lot of, you know, neck manual work. I do a lot of exercise rehab. I do a lot of different things. But even when I see other patients, I see a lot of ankle sprains and knee issues and ACL tears. And I see a lot of hip issues and shoulder issues and, you know, throwing athletes and a whole bunch of things. So chiropractic is very broad and a lot of people in the field will specialize in kind of different areas. So that makes it a little bit confusing to navigate because, you know, just because you've seen one chiropractor, basically the whole, you know, the old adage is if you've seen one chiropractor, you've seen one chiropractor. It's the same thing that goes for physios and, you know, these things that do, they specialize in a lot of different areas. So just because you've seen one, one chiropractor and it may not have been an effective treatment for you, you may not have seen the right one for you. They may not have done the right treatment for you. And so it is really, you know, provider specific and knowledge specific and, and patient specific. I've had patients that, you know, don't really jive with me, but they may jive with a colleague of mine that may do things a little bit differently. It's different hands. It's a lot of, it's a lot of different things. And so, you know, just because you've seen one and maybe you had a bad experience or it didn't work for you, doesn't mean that necessarily that's not a, the right treatment approach for you. Um, so anyway, so I'm going to kind of go through a bit of a list of things that you can look out for because patients always ask me, well, how do I know that you know I'm, I can find a good one or how do I find a good one? So I'm gonna give you some things to kind of look out for here just to know if you're kind of in the right spot. Particular, this is particularly focusing on concussion issues. So first of all, if you're seeing somebody that only spends 30 seconds with you, if you walk in and it's like, hey, how you doing today, John? Crack, 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 see you later, bye. Uh, that is not going to be the best approach, right? They may be great adjusters. They're probably very skilled at what they do in terms of adjustments, but in terms of getting an overall approach, 
uh, that's not going to be very effective for what somebody needs with concussion. So adjustments can be helpful for a variety of things, but when done by themselves, um, not, not, at, not the most effective. Um, do they do any soft tissue work? So if you find somebody that does, you know, some ART work on you and usually active release therapy, which is what I called ART is you will kind of have somebody, they'll be doing some movement. So they'll shorten a muscle, they'll apply some tension on it and then they'll lengthen it and they'll do it in different areas and they'll move things around and they'll do a little bit of muscle work like that. So it's not just massage where you're just kind of sitting there and somebody's rubbing it. They're actually moving you through it, that type of thing. So if your chiropractor is doing that type of stuff, generally that means they have some idea about muscles and how they work as well. Um, do they provide you with exercises to do? That's a good thing. If they're giving you rehab to do, to take home with you, or even walking you through rehab in the clinic, now you know you're seeing somebody that is that has your best interest in mind because a chiropractor that just does adjustments, adjustments are a surefire way to potentially create short-term pain reduction, but also it's not gonna necessarily linger unless they give you rehab exercises to kind of maintain or hold that. So it's a surefire way to get you out of pain quickly, but then get you back in next week for your tune-up, right? So it's a great business model. And unfortunately, we've kind of lost our way as a profession where we kind of, people shift to that model because it's like, hey, look, if I can see 100 people in an hour, I can do crack, 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 crack. And, you know, they're going to have to come back next week. And that's 100 more people I can see, you know, next week at this time. And so I think that we've kind of lost our way there as a profession. And so that's something to be concerned with. Do they spend time with you or is it super quick, kind of along the same lines as I, as I just talked about? Um, do they take x-rays at the first visit and try to show you a bunch of lines and curves that are off and misplaced? That is also a bunch of bullshit because the x-rays and the way that they're done, they can place you in whatever position they want to place you. So there, you're standing at the x-ray, right? And this is a little trick that they can do. They can tell you, you know, tuck your chin. And by having you tuck your chin, you're automatically going to flatten your cervical spine curve. And so they're the ones positioning you. So they can make your spine look like whatever they want. You know, they tilt your head slightly. Okay, hold that right there. Boom. Image comes. And all of a sudden, they're showing you, see how you have this head tilt? We're going to work to correct that. Okay? So if somebody, their first line of, of business is they take x-rays of everybody and they're doing these lines on it and looking at curves and all these angles and they're bringing you in and saying, you know, we're going to sign you up for this program and you're going to have to come for a whole bunch of sessions and yada, 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 that you are being taken for a ride because those x-rays are not going to show anything. X-rays are used. I use x-rays in my practice from time to time. I don't use it as a standard procedure for every patient. The only time you need x-rays is if you're concerned if there may be a fracture or some sort of bony pathology that you know, you're, you're picking up, maybe there's some cancer going on here. There's something about this is, that doesn't seem right. Let's get an x-ray to see if there's something else going on. But it shouldn't be routine practice and it shouldn't be about alignment, right? This whole idea behind spinal alignment is, is kind of a joke. So um, I'm going to get a ton of messages about this because there's going to be people that say, I see my chiropractor for five minutes and I love them. They help me out so much. That is great. I'm probably also going to get a lot of hate mail from chiros that do this stuff. But, um, and that's okay. It is not an evidence-based way of practicing. If you are looking for a chiropractor to help treat you and you're not going to one currently, or if you've been to one and had a bad experience, 
look for this type, right? The type that deals in other type of muscle injuries, the type that deals in rehabilitation, the type that does, you know, maybe has ART certification, the type that also utilizes acupuncture as part of their practice. Because if it's just a, if, if you go to their website and they're talking about spinal alignment and all this other stuff, and they're talking about innate intelligence and the body's ability to heal itself and yada, 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 just turn around and run. Do not go there. If you go there and they're signing you up for x-rays and packages and like blah, 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 just leave because you're taking, uh, you're being taken for a ride. Somebody commented on Nuka, you know, same type of thing. It's like all these x-rays and these little manipulations to try and, you know, conceive that they're going to be able to put your spine in this perfect alignment. It's all a bunch of crap. Um, so anyway, and this is a car. I'm a chiropractor, by the way. <laughs> um, so how can chiropractic help with concussion symptoms? Okay. So again, just getting back to this idea that concussion is a profession, or sorry, chiropractic is a profession, not a treatment. So the first step is you're, if you're dealing with concussion, you want to find somebody who's concussion trained. Okay. Somebody who's had advanced training. Concussion is not part of the natural curriculum of chiropractors. A lot of chiropractors, particularly in, in the Canadian education system. So if they were educated in Canada, very, very sports focused. We have a lot of uh, ex-professional athletes that become chiropractors because it's in that kind of sports medicine realm. So some of them have a natural kind of gravitation towards concussion. They're interested in it. And so they do their kind of own, you know, homework to learn about it, right? So there are specific concussion training programs for, you know, allied health, chiropractors, physiotherapists, obviously one place that I'm going to recommend because I am the founder of the company is Complete Concussions. So if you go to completeconcussions.com, you can find a list of providers there. And some of them are chiro, some are physio, some are sports medicine doctors, some are osteopaths, some are a whole bunch of different types of professionals. But a good place to look is to see if they're actually complete concussion management trained. Second, go to their actual website and see kind of what they are talking about. If they are talking about, like I said, nervous system impedance and we take x-rays on everybody and all of this stuff, you know that that is not going to be a good fit, okay? Most of the practitioners that, are, that have taken our training are not that type, but you still have to kind of keep your eye up about that, okay? So if they're talking about things like sports injuries, back pain, muscle pain, headaches, you know, shoulder injuries, doing soft tissue rehab, then you're likely on to something, okay? So if the chiropractor is concussion trained, they can help with a variety of things in, in, the, in the realm of post-concussion symptoms, okay? So the main causes of post-concussion symptoms, and I've said this before on previous episodes, is Number one, blood flow and autonomic dysregulation. The treatment for that is sub-symptom threshold exercise. So I do, uh, I do the, the, I can't talk right now. I do the Buffalo concussion treadmill to test and that allows us to find autonomic dysregulation and blood flow issues. So that is something that a chiropractor's training concussion would likely do, okay? Number two, metabolic, inflammatory, and hormonal issues. A lot of this is diet, right? Foods that you eat to repair gut. Uh, a lot of this is sleep and also exercise. So again, chiropractors have a lot of diet and nutrition training as part of their curriculum, more so than they would in medical school, more so than they would in physical therapy programs. So chiropractors will have a lot more knowledge about biochemistry, nutrition, 
and that type of thing, okay? So that's another area where chiropractors can be helpful. Number three is visual and vestibular dysfunctions. If they're concussion trained, they're going to do a lot of visual and vestibular work as well. Neck dysfunctions, that one is obvious, and I'm gonna talk about that one uh, in more detail with this segment. Uh, and then number five is the psychological. So a lot of times there's just overlaying anxiety. A lot of patient symptoms are due to, um, you know, anxiety about getting another injury or anxiety that their injury is always going to be there. Um, somebody's asking about gyro stim, so I'll try to get to that, you know, kind of towards the end here. But okay, so let's talk about the more obvious uh, cause. One of the causes of PCS is neck dysfunction. So neck dysfunction has been associated with headaches, dizziness, balance impairments, fogginess, visual disturbances, eye and uh, eye movement disorders, blood flow, cognitive and emotional disturbances. And so there's a whole bunch of research that is showing that patients with whiplash and neck dysfunctions have the exact same symptoms as concussion. And in fact, the symptoms of the two injuries, concussion and whiplash, are identical headaches, dizziness and balance problems, uh, cognitive disturbances, memory concentration issues, visual disturbances, fatigue, psychological distress, because the neck and neck dysfunction tells you a lot about where you are in space and it can also refer pain into your head and create headaches and all of these other issues. It affects how your eyes move, which can be perceived as cognitive. And there's a whole bunch of things where neck dysfunction can look exactly like concussion. They also have the same mechanism of injury. Concussion is caused from acceleration and deceleration of the brain. Whiplash or neck injury is caused from acceleration, deceleration of the neck. So if you have any type of mechanism where you get hit in the head, your neck is going to get jarred as well. So if you've gotten a concussion, you have also received a whiplash or some sort of neck injury, even if you don't have neck pain, because you may perceive it as headaches, you may perceive it as dizziness, but it may actually be due to neck dysfunction that is contributing to it, okay? So, so a good chiropractor can help you to overcome these neck dysfunctions, both with manual therapy, soft tissue work, as well as rehabilitative exercises. So here we go. Is chiropractic treatment safe? Most people are concerned about the manipulation, right? The cracking of the joints. So I don't want you to crack my neck. The amount of times I hear patients come in and say that they're like, yeah, just whatever you do, just don't, don't touch my neck. And uh, I always just laugh because I'm like, you realize that I'm a chiropractor, right? Um, and so it's just, it's just a funny thing. But let's talk first about different treatments that a chiropractor may do. Soft tissue work, acupuncture, you're likely going to get some soreness out of that, right? So if you think about it, you have some neck dysfunction. Let's say you have tight muscles that are causing headache. Let's say you have some tight muscles that are causing some dizziness because the sensors in your muscles tell you where you are in space. And so if this muscle right here on this side is super tight, but this one's not, it's going to tell you that your head is tilted because that's the signal that it's sending to your brain. So your brain is thinking that everything's tilted, but it's not because your eyes are saying that everything's level. So that disconnect is, is just creating confusion in your brain. So you start to just, you just feel dizzy. You feel off. You don't quite feel right. And so let's say now you go to somebody who's going to start working on some of these muscles, right? Well, if I'm going to get in there and dig on some muscles, if I have a muscle that's super jacked up, super tense already, and I start doing a little bit of work on it, A, it's going to hurt as I'm doing it. And this is the thing. If it doesn't hurt, you're not affecting any change. You have to kind of get in there to the point where it's actually, it should be a little bit tender as you're doing it. And, you know, my patients will tell you that they'll scream when I'm treating them. They're just like, ah, because it's really painful. 
And so when you get in there and you start working on the tissues, then afterwards, if you think about what you've done, you've just kind of, you've, you've kind of just beaten up a tissue a little bit. And so it's going to be a little bit tender. Now, if that muscle was already causing a headache, sometimes it can increase your headaches. Right, and I'm I'm doing this topic specifically because I have a number of people either within the concussion fix program, patients at CCMI clinics, or people that just send me emails or messages on Instagram, and they're concerned because they're like, I went to a chiropractor and now my headache is worse, and I'm worried that they did something and it's affecting me and all these things. That is okay. It's actually expected. That shows you if you have a flare in your symptoms, that shows you that at least some of your symptoms are coming from neck dysfunction. Because if you didn't have any neck dysfunction, that treatment wouldn't necessarily create these issues. But if you get chiropractic treatment and all of a sudden you're dizzy and your eyes are off, that tells you how much your neck is involved in your situation. And so your brain is just trying to adjust to a new neck, right? If you think about if the signals to your brain are coming from your eyes, from your inner ear, vestibular system, and the muscles and joints of your neck, and all of a sudden now, it's you're, you've changed the signal, you've changed the input, your brain's trying to figure out what's what. And it takes a little while for the neck dysfunction to be gone to the point where it's like, okay, now everything is the same. Because if your neck is saying the same thing as your eyes and your eyes are saying the same thing as your ears and everyone's on the same page, you feel okay. It's when your eyes are saying one thing and your neck is saying something different that you feel you know, this disconnect, this, this imbalance, this feeling of off. So just because you went in and had a treatment and it made your symptoms worse, that's temporary, okay? That is not a long-standing thing. The chiropractor didn't make you worse. The chiropractor just basically exposed uh, a flaw or something that was already there. Um, I actually wrote an email last night to somebody because they were asking me about this, thinking that maybe one of the chiropractors they saw had made them worse. I had a patient, and this was uh, probably two or three years ago now. She went to a chiropractor, back in the early 2000s. So I think at this time it was like it was like 15 years after she had gone to this chiropractor, they had treated her neck, they had adjusted her, and afterwards she ended up she was super dizzy. So then for 15 years, she she didn't want to go back because she was like, "No, I'm not doing that again. They made me really really dizzy. I don't want to do that anymore." So she refused to go to a chiropractor. She went to all sorts of different specialists, vestibular specialists, all sorts of people nothing, they couldn't find anything. No, nothing was ever working. She was, she was on medications now to try and treat this dizziness. It wasn't working. She came to see me because one of her friends was a patient of mine. And so finally convinced her to come and see me. But the first thing she said is, I'm really afraid. I don't want you to adjust my neck. Please, whatever you do, don't adjust my neck. Okay, fine. I start working in the soft tissues, you know, kind of building her trust over time. And after a couple weeks, she starts to feel better because I'm loosening up some of the muscles, but it wasn't staying. And I'm like, you have a joint issue right here that's just not going to go away unless we do something about it. So finally, she was like, okay, fine, go for it. And I adjusted it. And then that was it. Dizziness was gone. She was like, oh my God, I can't believe I waited this long to do this. And I said, if you would have just gone back to that Cairo and said that when you did that, I got really dizzy, they might have just felt and said, oh, this is why, because I just, you know, I locked you up on this side or whatever. Sometimes if you just go a little bit too hard, it can throw things off a little bit. And so it's really more of an art than anything, just trying to kind of get things back in, a, in, a, in the right way. So just because one treatment kind of flared things up doesn't necessarily mean that that's like to be completely avoided. It's actually kind of a good sign that there's some dysfunction there that is potentially driving a lot of this. And if we work to kind of fix it, you know, we can we can help things out, okay? So most of the time with just muscle work and things like that, you're going to have some 
you know, residual soreness afterwards. Even getting a massage, you're sometimes gonna be sore after a massage. It's like doing a workout, right? Just because you're sore after a workout doesn't mean the workout was harmful. It just means that your, your muscle tissue adapting to the things that were done to it, right? The same thing goes for rehab, right? Like I said, if you're doing a workout and you have a flare in symptoms, this is going to be temporary, right? When you do exercises on your neck, you're working muscles that you may not have worked in a while and they're going to be potentially sore afterwards. That soreness, if they're already causing a headache, can start to make your headache worse. And then you go, oh, I don't wanna do those because it makes my headache worse. No, you have the wrong impression of it. It makes your headache worse now, but as you do it and your muscle gets in better shape, guess what? It'll start to relax, it'll start to get better, and so, you know, it's best to kind of start gradually with any type of rehab program or any type of treatment, but you know, just because you have a, a brief flare in symptoms doesn't mean that anything was made worse. That's really the point I want to get across. And finally, let's get into the adjustments. Okay, so why are adjustments helpful? Why are they necessary? Why would somebody want to crack your neck? So first of all, what is the cracking sound? Well, the cracking sound is gas being released from a joint. So just like when you crack your knuckles, I'm gonna do this on the mic right now. Okay, so those are little gas bubbles that are inside of your joints, and it's just like cracking your knuckles. So in your spine, on either side, on every single level, you have joints, and that's how they, they move and they articulate between the level below them. So you get movement going. Different joints have different degrees of movement, and inside of a joint, the inside of a joint capsule is lined with a tissue called synovial tissue. That synovial tissue makes a fluid called synovial fluid, and that's how your joint stays lubricated. And that's how you get nutrients to your joint. That's how you get oxygen to your joint. And that's also how you remove waste products. So if you think about this from a circulatory system perspective, if I breathe in oxygen, the oxygen goes into my lungs, my blood system comes by, picks up the oxygen, and drops off the carbon dioxide and other waste products, and I breathe that out. The oxygen then goes through my tissues. When it gets to the tissues it's going, the oxygen goes into the tissues and the carbon dioxide and all the other waste products come out of the tissues, back into the bloodstream, back up to the lungs, and I breathe it out. And it all, Or I filter it through my kidneys and whatever else. So that's how all the tissues in your body get nutrients and dispel waste products is through your circulatory system. Your joints are outside of this system. Blood doesn't pump into your joints. In fact, blood in the joints can create all sorts of problems. So instead, you have this, this tissue called synovial tissue, and that makes a fluid, and the fluid kind of bathes the joint. So the way that your joints stay healthy is by movement. Because as you move, you, you circulate the fluid along the joint, and it's, it's absorbed in the tissues, and then the waste products are also squished out as you move and walk. And the example I give to patients all the time is if you've ever been sitting for a long period of time and you get up and your knees are stiff and you know, it's, that's, that's why. It's because you're sitting there and you get this buildup of this fluid and this gunk and it's not moving well. So what happens in a injury where you injure your neck, if you compress your facet joints, like boom, you get a whiplash and your facet joints are back here. So if you compress them like that, they get inflamed and irritated and they start producing a lot of fluid. And because of that, the muscles in the area, because the joint becomes tender and inflamed, the muscles in the area will tighten up to try and protect it because movement is now painful, right? So the muscles will tighten up around that joint as a protective mechanism. And they're just like, don't move, don't move, don't move. 
And because of that, now because the muscles are tight, you start to get maybe some headaches. The joint itself can also cause headaches, referred pain into the head. You might get a little bit of dizziness because that muscle's now really clamping down. And so you may go and get some soft tissue work and they may you know, massage that muscle out, but it never quite stays and it just comes back. Because the reason that muscle pain comes back and that tight muscle comes back is because it's trying to protect the joint underneath, which is still affected. Now, because the joint is all encased in there and not moving well, you're not getting the circulation, right? You're not getting the oxygen uptake. You're not getting rid of the waste products. You're getting this buildup of inflammation and also gases inside of that joint. So when you move it and it pops, you're just letting that bubble pop out and then you're getting a rush of new fluid in, you're getting, you're getting more, you're restoring movement to the joint. So it's actually quite healthy to, you know, pop joints from time to time. If you do it too much, it can create problems. If you don't do it enough, it can also create problems. So if there's an issue where you've had a joint compression and now you're getting headaches because you've had this neck slash, you know, head injury, the muscles are tight, but every time you get a massage, it only lasts a couple days, you're probably missing something and it's probably in the joint. This is where manipulation can be the helpful key that you're missing, okay? So this is where a lot of people go, well, I've been to physio and they're just not able to do it, right? It's likely because you need to have your neck manipulated, but nobody has done it to you yet. And there may be the fear, okay? So joint dysfunction and muscle dysfunction go hand in hand. So let's talk about the effectiveness of it. So there's been studies done on neck pain, and I'm going to show one right now. This is from the, the Annals of Internal Medicine. This is a randomized trial by Gert Bromfort. And they, did, they uh, compared those doing spinal manipulation. They compared it with medication or home exercise programs. And um, they gave it to a bunch of people randomly, 272 people between ages of 18 and 65 who had non-specific neck pain from anywhere from two weeks to 12 weeks. And they found that for pain, manipulation, actually adjusting the joints, had a statistically significant advantage over medication. So it was more effective than medication for neck pain. At eight weeks after the treatment, 12 weeks after the treatment, 26 weeks after the treatment, and even a year later, 52 weeks after the treatment, it still was better than the medication or the exercise group. So the conclusion was for participants with acute and subacute neck pain, spinal manipulation was more effective than medication in both the short and long term. Whereas a lot of people are just popping medication, right? Which creates a whole bunch of other problems. So spinal manipulation is effective for neck pain. Now let's talk about the safety. So despite some concerns, it's actually quite safe. And I'm going to show you some other statistics just to kind of put things in context because when somebody watches, you know, a Steven Seagal movie where he comes up behind people and just breaks their neck and they, you know, they die or whatever, that's actually not, you know, accurate. You can't really just do that. And so people will associate that with chiropractic manipulation and think that somebody's going to break their neck. Okay. If this was happening, <laughs> we would have been outlawed a long time ago. All right. So it's actually very, very rare to have any type of adverse event like that happen. So here, I'm going to show a couple studies right now. So adverse events after seeking manual therapy among patients seeking care for neck and or back pain. Here's another randomized controlled trial. And what they found is that there was, you know, commonly reported adverse events, but they were all very minor in terms of what they said. And really the most common adverse events were soreness in the muscles and a little bit of increased pain and stiffness, which like I said, is quite frequent after treatment. It can happen. It doesn't mean that anything was made worse. Okay. 
The big one that we want to look at though is we want to look at um, the, with a thing called uh, vertebral artery dissection. So you have arteries that run up along your spine, deep, deep down, close to your spine, called the vertebral arteries, and they supply blood to your brainstem. So an artery dissection, you have layers, right? So if you think about arteries like a tube, now you have a layer around that called the intimal lining. And sometimes if you get a little tear in the intimal lining, blood will, will kind of come up underneath that lining and gradually will kind of rip it away from, from the actual blood vessel it's covering. And then what happens is it blocks the artery and so it can cause a stroke. So vertebral artery dissection can eventually lead to you know, an ischemic stroke. And obviously with the blood supplying the brainstem, that can have some serious adverse events or some serious consequences that go with it. So there was, there's been a number of um, case studies that have reported people having these adverse stroke-like events after chiropractic manipulation. And so the thing is a lot of these studies are flawed. If you actually look at where where they've been done, so there's just a series of case reports mostly, and if you look at you know the timeline from when the manipulation happened to when the actual adverse event happened, there's, there's quite a bit of time in between some of them. Some of them it's like three, four days later. Some of them it's like an immediate onset. Some of them it's, it's like even up to two weeks later in some cases, which you start going, okay, come on, I think it's, you know, the thing to know though is that these types of events, vertebral artery dissections, also happen spontaneously. They've occurred with people shoulder checking while driving. They've occurred with people getting their hair cut, just leaning back in the thing, getting a hair wash done. Okay, it's any type of extension mechanism. Looking up, you can you can create these little tears in the artery that eventually become a vertebral artery dissection that can eventually lead to uh, this this ischemic stroke. And so these things happen in the normal population. The early signs of these types of events are actually neck pain and headaches. So some people with a neck pain and a headache are going to go see a chiropractor. Some people with a neck pain and a headache are going to go to their family doctor. So some research was done uh, looking at uh, comparing chiropractors and patients going to chiropractors with patients going to primary care physicians to try and see was there an associated risk. So they looked at patients going, patients coming in with vertebral artery dissection in Ontario hospitals between April 1st, 1993 and March 31st, 2002. And there was 818 vertebral artery dissections during that time period. So in a period of about nine years, 818 had reported to Ontario hospitals. Um, and so it's actually quite rare because that represents over 100 million people years from all the other visits coming into hospitals. In those low, under the age of 45, there was a significant association with seeking both medical care, seeing a primary care physician, and seeing a chiropractor for a primary complaint of neck pain or headache. And there was actually no difference in patients seeing a chiropractor or patients seeing their primary care physician. So the conclusion was that it's not chiropractic manipulation causing these vertebral artery dissections, is that they're already underway and they experience neck pain and headache. And so if they're a chiropractic patient, they'll go see their chiropractor. Chiropractor will do an adjustment. The thing is already happening, remember, and then it eventually proceeds into a stroke 
and the chiropractor manipulation gets blamed for the stroke. Meanwhile, it was actually already potentially underway because you see the same number of strokes happening after people visit their physician. Their physician isn't doing manipulation, but the patient comes in with headache and neck pain. Physician maybe prescribes medication or does whatever, and the patient ultimately has a vertebral artery dissection. So the conclusion of this paper, which is the largest paper that was done on this and analyzed it in a comparative way in a case control design, found that the risk um, was extremely low, but it was there for both professions, meaning that it's likely already underway and it's not necessarily the manipulation that is causing it. So a couple other papers I'm going to show right here. So if, just to put things in perspective, there was a narrative review that looked at all adverse reported events in from chiropractic manipulation for patients with for, for cervical spine issues specifically. 134 case reports. So if you want to look at this in just the context, okay, 134 cases in the literature in a 60-year time frame. All right. So the time frame was between 1950 and 2010. There was 134 cases in the literature in over 60 years, and that's around the world, okay? So let's add some context. Tylenol causes 56,000 emergency department visits every single year in the United States, okay? 134 cases of serious adverse consequences following chiropractic manipulation versus 56,000 ER visits per year in the United States. 26,000 people are hospitalized every single year in the United States due to Tylenol. 450 people die every single year in the United States from taking over-the-counter Tylenol. Okay, so again, do a comparison. 134 cases published in the literature of adverse reactions, serious adverse events happening following chiropractic manipulation, and you have 450 people dying a year in the US from Tylenol every single year. So far in the history of the chiropractic profession, there's been 26 reported cases of death following chiropractic manipulation globally, right? Like I said, in the entire history of the profession. And in some cases, these were days to weeks after the manipulation. So the causation is kind of dodgy uh, at best. You are astronomically more likely to be seriously injured on your way to the chiropractor than at the chiropractor. Okay, so the driving is actually the riskiest part of the whole ordeal. The risk of having a serious, and I looked this stat up, so this is true. The risk of having a serious adverse event from chiropractic manipulation is lower than being struck by lightning. Okay, so the risk of having a serious adverse event from manipulation is lower than being struck by lightning. The risk of serious injury or death from chiropractic visit is less likely to have been struck by lightning twice in your lifetime. So is there a risk? Yes, there's a risk. There's a risk in doing anything. Can these types of things happen spontaneously? Yes, that's actually the most frequent cause of vertebral artery dissection is a spontaneous vertebral artery dissection. Is there a likely risk associated with chiropractic versus any other profession or anything else you might do throughout your day? The answer is no. So chiropractors can be very effective. They can fix things that a lot of other professions don't have the skill set to be able to do. There's issues going on like joint issues that need to be addressed uh, in order to kind of alleviate some of these headache concerns. So it is a very effective and safe treatment option for concussion patients. So I hope I answered that well enough for this episode. I saw some questions come in. So uh, for those of you watching on YouTube or listening on to the podcast, I will see you next week. And for those on Instagram, I'll stick around for a few minutes.
Thank you for listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a review. Have questions about concussion management for future episodes? Submit them to our website, Facebook, or even Instagram. See you next time.